0: Give it to him. Stone him. Today we'll see how things turn out for Jesus as the Jews try to stone him. And we'll see that there is hope even in the wake of rejection on today's Bible Study Podcast. Hello again and welcome to this edition of Bible Study Podcast. My name is Justin and I'll be your host as we work our way through the Gospel of John. Now this is an exciting podcast for us today as we'll be wrapping up chapter 10 of the Gospel of John. And as always, if you have any questions, concerns, or prayer requests you'd like to share with me, feel free to contact me at BibleStudyPodcastJustin at gmail.com. I'd like to share a request for you guys to pray about with me as well. A a fellow student of mine at Southern Evangelical Seminary is going through quite a battle. You see his little son, Carter, who is just a toddler has been diagnosed with a very rare cancer that takes place within the nerve cells. And he's already gone through a surgery, a round of chemotherapy, but he'll have to continue that chemotherapy for quite some time. And So please be in prayer for this little guy and his family as they attempt to kind of work through this tough time and get used to kind of the abnormal living situation they'll have to be in for, for a good bit of time as they deal with it. So with that being said, let, let's open in prayer today. Our Father, we're reminded once again how precious life truly is, and, and we know it is truly precious because it is a gift from you. And We pray for those who are suffering from diseases and pains, and, and Lord, we pray that you would give them true life in you, not just here on earth, but forever in heaven with you. We praise you for sending your Son so that we may have a mediator to bridge the gap we created with our sins. Thank you, Lord, and bless our time in your Word today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now, we'll be picking up today in John chapter 10, in verse 34, and heading all the way to the end at verse 42. Now, remember from last week that we ended at verse 33 with the Jews telling Jesus that they did not want to stone Him for His good works, but rather, they wanted to stone Him because He was blaspheming by making Himself out to be God. And so, we begin with Jesus' answer, starting in verse 34 to verse 36. And Jesus answered them, Has it not been written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, You're blaspheming, because I said, I am the Son of God? Now let's start breaking down this by understanding what this comment is about in verse 34, where Jesus asked the Jewish leaders, If it was written in their word that you are God's. It's interesting that Jesus starts by pointing the Jewish leaders back to the very law that they claimed they were defending in the first place. You see, he's taking them back to Psalm 82, verse 6. In Psalm 82, Asaph, the great songwriter found scattered throughout the book of Psalms, is writing about the fact that God will soon bring judgment on the unjust judges who are ruling Israel. In verse 6, he writes, I said, you are gods, and all of you are sons of the Most High. Nevertheless, you will die like men. What he is saying here is that the judges were called gods. That is, they were given a divine status on the basis that they judged between life and death on behalf of the true God. They were representatives of the Most High God, and thus they were called gods. However, due to their unrighteousness, they will be judged, and they will be brought down to death. They're not true gods. They're only representative of the true God. But how does that fit into our passage here? Why would Jesus use this passage to defend his statement that he is indeed one with the Father? This is actually quite an amazing argument that Jesus uses here. So, so see if you can follow along with me, because it's, it's just really a beautiful argument. <laughs> He appeals to the Jews' very laws to show that even they attribute a divine status to those who have received a word from God. Notice how Jesus words his argument so masterfully at this point. Your very law has instances where divine status is extended to those who have received a word from God. And after all, the scriptures cannot be broken. You see, Jesus appeals to the inerrancy of the Old Testament scriptures. He appeals to the holiness and to the respect that is given to those Old Testament passages because they are the very word of God. And he shows the Jewish leaders that it is their very word, which shows examples of the case he is trying to build. He's essentially turned the tables on these Pharisees and scribes. See, they were trying to use the law to give them a way to proclaim Jesus as a blasphemer so they would be able to stone him. But Jesus has shown them on the basis of the same law that their claim is just not true. Let's continue to see how this truly develops. See, so he continues into verse 36 saying that if you are willing to call those who have just received a word from God, gods, then why do you say to the one whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world that he's blaspheming because he says he is the Son of God? What a smooth argument Jesus has crafted for us here. Basically, his question boils down to why do you trust those who just bring a message from God and not trust the one who is God in the flesh? Notice also that Jesus asks why they say he's blaspheming for claiming to be the Son of God. But the interesting part is up to this point in the Gospel of John, he hasn't made that claim explicitly. He has not said those very words that he is the Son of God. So what's he talking about here? Well, what's interesting about this note is the fact that Jesus has already said many things that point to him saying that he's the Son of God. He said things like he and the Father are one. He does what the Father has sent him to do. He and the Father love one another, they love the Spirit, you know he He gives out eternal life, He has the power to heal. no one can snatch sheep from his hands. He is the living water. You know, all these things that he is saying, they all add up to this conclusion that Jesus is the Son of God. And some commentators have even mentioned that this may be the reason why Jesus makes this statement here. But however you're going to hold it, it's clear that Jesus is acting as the Son of God to the point that the people are willing to stone him for it. They obviously realize he is making this claim. And so what's interesting is though he hasn't explicitly said it, He's living his life, and he's saying other things that point to this fact, so much so that it's clearly obvious without him even directly saying it. Jesus continues on to fully solidify his case in verses 37 and 38. He says, If I do not do the works of my Father, don't believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works, so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I, and the Father, now, friends, this is not a new rhetoric from our Lords at this stage. We have seen Jesus give nearly the same speech many times throughout John's Gospel. He basically tells the people listening that they should not believe that he is the Son of God if he doesn't carry out the works of the Father, but he also points out that the inverse is also true if he does the works of the Fathers, the responsible, the reasonable person. Would believe him. Jesus here even goes as far as saying that even though you don't believe in me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the Father's in me and I in the Father. You see, friends, we see here a truth that Jesus has laid before us many times. We're not called to make a blind leap in following Christ. No, he has made it clear that he is one with the Father, that is, he is indeed God. In fact, he has even produced works to give evidence of this fact. The problem, as we see here, is not a lack of facts or a lack of evidence. No, it's a lack of belief. See, verse 39 shows us the normal progression for the Jewish leaders. They try to take a shot at Jesus. Jesus thwarts their plan, and then they attempt to seize him, to arrest him, or to stone him, as they do here. But as we have seen many times before, Jesus eludes their grasp. And as John mentioned earlier, it's not yet his time to be taken. So verse 40 through 42 rolls along, and it gives us quite an interesting story of contrast in the middle of this escalating conflict with the Jewish leaders. As we'll see next time, in John 11, we're going to begin the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And that obviously is going to have huge impact on this clearly deteriorating relationship between he and the Pharisees. But as we roll into that, as we kind of prepare ourselves for that chapter, verse 40 to 42 shows us something that I think is very, very inspiring, something that we should definitely grab hold of. The passage itself reads, And he, he meaning Jesus, went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was first baptizing, and he was staying there. Many came to him and were saying, while John performed no sign, yet everything John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. See, oftentimes in short stories and narratives, when we read them, we skip over the smaller details and we try to see the big picture in order to determine the meaning and the significance of a passage. However, this passage shows us the value of paying attention to every little detail. You see, the key word in this passage, is that Jesus went beyond the Jordan. That is, he went to the other side of the Jordan River. Now why is this significant, you may wonder? Well, the answer is quite simple. He's leaving the promised land. He is leaving the Jewish realm once he crosses over the Jordan. He is now going into the wilderness. This is the very place the Jews tried to escape from for hundreds of years. This is the very place they don't want to be. It's seen as the The place of sinners, the place of rogues. And yet here is the place Jesus is going. So now let's look at the gist of the story here and we'll see why this is such a huge deal in light of the surrounding context. In this passage we see people who John the Baptist had ministered to earlier. And many of them came to Jesus and once they saw him they realized that all John had said about him was indeed true. And they believed in him at that very spot. So the summary statement would be in effect that many realized that Jesus was who the prophet of God said he would be. And they believed in him. So let's step back and see why the location was so important. What is it that Jesus has just appealed to the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders from in order to show that he is the true son of God? He pointed back to the Old Testament scripture He pointed back to the prophets, those people who were called gods because they carried a message from the true God. But what was their reaction? They rejected him. They even tried to stone him. However, here in the wilderness, outside the bounds of the Jewish territory, in the land of sinners and rogues, as far as the Jewish people were concerned at least, It's here that the audience hears the messenger sent from God and reacts to Jesus by believing in Him. You see, the comparison is quite vivid when we really look at it. Israel and her leaders have rejected the true Savior of the world, the literal Son of God. However, all hope is not lost. For just as God had promised in the Old Testament, there is a remnant Which remains that worships the true God, and they are those who believe in the Son of God. What a powerful statement for John to show us at this point. What a frightening realization for those of us who are in leadership in the Church of Jesus Christ. May it never be said of us, as it could be said of the Jewish leaders, that we were those who were zealous for the law and zealous for our religion, yet we missed the very one that our scriptures point us to and let us remember the power that is given here you know, it seems pretty dark as we leave chapter 10 of John you know up until verse 40 if we were to stop there it, it's pretty dark you know we see the jewish leaders outright rejecting trying to kill jesus we see this is hostile territory at its highest degree these people are not friendly to our lord These people are not on the same side. It has gotten to the point that this relationship has fractured to where it can never be returned. And it looks like it's not just the leaders, it's the nation. The people are turning against Jesus. And so the picture looks grim, to say the least. It's dark. It doesn't seem like there's much hope. And yet, John plants this story for us to remember. There are faithful ones. You know, there are those who have not bowed the knee to false gods. There are those who have not turned away from the true God. There are those scattered throughout who know Christ, who believe in Him, who are working for His kingdom's sake. And friends, they they may not be in Israel. While the people of God, the Israelite nation, have turned their back on God, God is still working in the lives of his people throughout the world. And so, as we conclude this podcast, I want to ask you to consider the question Do you believe in the Son of God? Are you like the Pharisees, where you could be given all the evidence in the world? all the works you could have seen you could see God in person face to face and yet you still cannot believe in Christ or you be like those in the wilderness who having heard the messenger of God having seen the works of Christ instantly believe on Him as their Savior the choice is yours friends until we meet again may God bless and keep you
1: Wisdom and, Wisdom and power be unto God, be unto God Christ. Peace. We stand before him. because of mercy.
0: as you enjoy this great song from marcus bradley Please stay tuned for a message from our founder Toby. This
1: lesson has been brought to you by biblestudypodcast.org, a para ministry of Clean Slate Evangelical Ministries, which is a nonprofit listener supported ministry based in Monroe, North Carolina. While our desire is that your primary giving be done with your local church, if the Lord is leading you to support our ministry, we do depend on your support to keep our ministry going and growing. If you feel the Lord calling you to support our ministry, you can go to BibleStudyPodcast.org and click on support on the right-hand side. You can make a tax-deductible donation from there. By doing so, you'll be helping us to reach multitudes of people each and every month from around the world who, just like yourself, desire to find answers and meaning in Scripture. We thank you for listening today, and we pray that the Lord blesses you and draws you closer to Him. Keep growing closer to Jesus.